Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, uh, the show formerly known as NXT 2. But oh, AW Rampage pay per views, premium live events, we have interviews, round table discussions and a roundup of the week complete oh, my good quiz of course on wrestle culture as I said they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Raw what did you make of the penultimate Raw before Wrestlemania mostly terrific um, huh? yeah three hour Raw kind of have just all good stuff there's always going to be some rubbish but I thought the rubbish was kept to a minimum here and this for me was a reminder that this company has nowhere near enough stars just end of sentence but also nowhere near <laughs> enough stars to fill your standard episode of Raw because they should have enough stars and enough interesting stories to do show-long storylines all the time. Like, I know it was a kind of staple of the Attitude Era because there were so many stars that you could have people in the opening segment that then featured in the end and you would constantly keep going back to them. You just don't get it anymore because it's never believable nor warranted. There's never sort of, there's very rarely that many episodes where in a year where there's that many over characters that you can feature them in the opening segment and keep going back to them Mm. and then something happens at the end. And I loved getting to watch this play out over a Raw. I felt that the the bloodline made the show feel full. And I what I got from the start was tension that carried over to the very end. Mm. And again, like SmackDown, I'm enjoying... Like, the in-ring stuff was mid, as usual, with like a couple of exceptions. Half-decent stuff, but not right home about in-ring. But I genuinely feel like, for the most part, the cool and featured WrestleMania programs were featured in a cool way. The bad stuff stunk. Of course it did. But, like, I had a really good time with this episode. Everything outside of the bloodline stunk. (laughs) It was was either really cringeworthy, outright terrible, or just so bland. But I'm looking forward to burying some of it, if that's any consolation. Mm. A lot of outright awful stuff on the show, with the exception of the bloodline and Otis. Yes. Yeah, a bit of an up-and-down episode for me. There was bits where I was just... That means it's bad. Yeah, re- really. So if, he, yeah. if Adam Wilborn is saying it's up-and-down, it's not good. It's on the it lower was, end of your It was a bit of, can we get to the fireworks factory at parts, i.e. obviously the Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes bit, which was, again, sensational. So um, my mindset coming into work today, I was like, how do I feel about that Raw? Like you say, if I'm asking that question, then you know it's uh, iffy. But I also... I'm completely, I'm looking forward to going back through this because I was skipping into work after that end segment and the opener. But yeah, then the bits in the middle, I was like, oosh. What this Raw did for me was laid bare that there is some excellent stuff on this WrestleMania card and some badly, badly undercooked and kind of not much of a middle. The really, really hot stuff felt like on this show it was firing and I've been having that a lot with SmackDown and less so with Raw. 
Uh, and there's a couple of dud programs that I don't think wrestlers can save ultimately. <laughs> One program that was literally called out by commentary, but we'll get to that yeah. a little bit later on. Because uh, the show opened with Kevin Owens coming out, getting a great reaction immediately, obviously followed by Sami Zayn. Thank God they're back together. Uh, and they have to sort of wait for the crowd to calm down. Huge chance for... Well, uh, Sami Zayn initially, and Owen says, oh, I think they quite like you. And then obviously everyone starts chanting for KO, and Sami says, oh, they like you too, mate. Uh, and KO's like, all right, well, thanks for you know thinking of me. Um, and uh, Sami says how great it is to be back on the same page again. Um, he didn't get the chance to tell him last week, because they did the big recap of what happened on SmackDown, obviously. Um, but he gets it. He understands, understands why Owen's denied him the help over the past few weeks. Sami was approaching this like it was a transaction, uh, and that's not how they've ever done anything. They've always used each other to get the, get to the next level as brothers, including kicking each other's ass. Um, Owen says, yep, you're right. There's one thing I don't think you understand, though, Sammy. For 20 years, I've been your biggest fan. I'd tell anyone who'd listen that you were the best person I've ever been in the ring with. That's why it's been so hot for the last six months, seeing you under Roman Reigns' thumb, when the truth is you were better than any of them in the bloodline. Uh, you outgrew them almost immediately, um, and Sammy... Um, you know, you finally got through to me and I realised it's time to take take down the bloodline together. And Sammy's like, oh, you know what comes next? And they both turn to look at the WrestleMania sign. This brings out the Usos who are pissed. Um, and Jay's like, look, Jimmy, look at him. Do you see what I see? That right there is what a backstabber looks like. And Owen's sort of saying something to Sammy. And he's like, oh, what are, you t- what are you saying to each other? You're just going to backstab each other. Uh, and Sammy's like, well, yeah, well, your biggest dream was to, is to backstab Roman Reigns. So, yeah, what do you think about that? And, uh, <laughs> and then Jimmy says, uh, actually, you're the one in Dream World, actually. Uh, wake up. Why are you staring at the mania signs? Nothing's going to happen. Owen's like, come on, we all know where this is going. Uh, we're all thinking the same thing. There's only one way, one place to settle this. Jimmy and your brother versus me and my brother for all the belts. That was a lovely line. Uh, Jimmy says, we're the greatest tag team in the world. You don't deserve a shot. No title shot on Mania, nothing. And Jay says, well, hold on a second. Wait a second. To be honest, this might be our one shot to put the uh, Sammy and Kevin problem in the dirt. But then again, we don't have to wait for WrestleMania. Let's get some now. And the Usos get in and uh, Jimmy sends Sammy to the outside and they're fighting by the tables. And I think Jay posts Kevin Owens so they can get a bit of a two-on-one. But Owens comes back and sends Jimmy into the timekeeper's area. Uh, KO and Sammy go after Jay in the ring. Uh, Super kick to Jay. He stumbles into the corner. He's in position for a halluva kick by Sammy Zayn. But as he rushes towards him, Jimmy saves his brother, pulling him out of the ring. Um... Jimmy and Jay are furious. They go to get chairs. They're going to slide back in and use the weapons. But then Daddy arrives. Uh, we see the, the the car pull up. Out gets oh, the car. Opens the door. And here is the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. And they're like, oh, bollocks. We better go and, you know, tuck our tail between our legs and go and see what he wants. Um, and so they bail and uh, get heckled by everyone as they walk off. I thought this was amazing in ways big and small. Like I, the brothers' line was amazing, and from our podcast three months ago, WWE, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, it was giving you the um, explanation from Friday without 
needing too much exposition, and Owens especially. Zane's good too, but Owens is one of the best at making WWE's exposition scripting seem really natural, and I thought they did a tremendous job of it. The stuff like looking at the sign and just being like, we know what this is all about. Like, it can't be understated, because it's okay to do that stuff as long as you acknowledge that, like, a little bit of it is pantomime, because then at least you're not betraying the fact you want to fight these people. Like, too often, people get so lost in the pantomime. We say this is NXT all the time. Like, sometimes you have to remind the wrestlers that they're on a wrestling show, <laughs> and Kevin Owens never loses sight of that, or at least never tries, no matter how silly his stuff gets. Standing and looking at a sign and making sure the camera's framing you in is fundamentally daft. Kevin Owens makes it feels like it's part of the yeah. part of the game to get to the match. Got the pageantry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like own that a little bit, just enough, and then remember that you're there to have a fight and win some titles. And it's it's fine. That's what wrestling fans will go along with. Thought the Usos were just exceptional here. They didn't have a lot to do, but you have to make it convincing. It's that thing where WWE have done for years where it's like, ah, oh, if a heel is going to get baited into putting their titles on the line, how convincing is that really going to come across? And I thought they nailed it, mm. to be honest. We know, and we're all watching... Uh, trying to work out exactly how much Jey Uso really knows about his plight now. Does he know, and we'll, there's more on this later, oh. of course, does he know that he has ascended beyond Roman Reigns and it's just a matter of time before he's able to tell him? Does he genuinely want to fall right back in line? Whatever that is, he's got courage now. He's got some babyface courage. It's just temporarily been tempered again. And that babyface courage showed itself when he said... All right, yeah, we'll put the belts on the line. Jimmy, less keen, happy to pie them off. Jay was so willing to do it. And then Jimmy seeing that and being like, well, like that brother has shown me loyalty, so I'm going to show him loyalty. All right, we're all in. So the motivations feel really lived in and organic to get to this match rather than it just being because we have to and there's no other place to do it. So I thought that was super impressive as well. The Huluva kick being established as oh. the spot that needs to happen that kind of defines all of this because it didn't at War Games. Sammy did it to Kevin rather than a Jay, and that was kind of where all of this kicked into high gear. Like when he picked Jay Uso, which is where this feeds into Roman's distrust of Jay because that was the night Sammy acknowledged the real heart of the bloodline. Just really admired all the little details with the big WWE bombast on top of it, and what it led to later on made it even better. Oh. I've got two minor complaints with all of this, but they are dwarfed by the fact that this is the best booked. WWE tag match since I'm very, very much struggling to yeah. Right, yeah. find the answer to that question. That's the main event, doesn't it? Yes. It's big. It feels big. It's massive, yeah. this. It's absolutely massive. What's a better WWE booked promoted tag match? I'd like on like I, I'm talking not on this ev- scale. I'm talking yeah. ever. I'm talking ever. Mm-hmm. Um I think they've booked better singles matches than Cody Roman. Survivor Series 996 being one of them, oh my god. A tag match. It's one of those where it's like there ain't much competition, particularly over the last twenty years. But uh, like when? I, t- I like I don't know because they would only put them in profile when it was dumb stuff like the Perry trip and the destruction. The match was never good and nobody was ever really buying it. It was just the stars have yeah. dropped down. Yeah. This isn't that. This is the John belt. Cena and the Rock are yeah. tagging to take on. Oh, it isn't our truth. Yeah. Even something like TLC two, very fun build. A lot of black comedy in there. Not outstanding stuff. Could never argue to go and last on a pay-per-view level yeah, in WrestleMania. Yeah. This has done that kind of from the beginning. From as soon as you saw the match in your imagination, you would realise how massive it could be. The two complaints follow. I'll keep them brief because they are genuinely no one cares other than me. One, this is the conversation that Cammy, Cammy, Kevin and Sammy. Did they go by Cammy? AJ once? used to call them when they were Yes, here. yes. I'll take you both down a Royal Rumble, Cammy. I'll take you both down, Cammy. This is the conversation that they would have had before seeing it on TV. Mm-hmm. 
very wrestling, very stupid. Can we just find a new way? Wrestling could be artless at times. Two, I wish that, look, the idea is that this is what you want to have happened. It happened in this incredibly emotional and just wonderful, heartwarming way. There's still the element of formality. Could they not have had a little bit of fun or a little bit of logical fun, my favorite kind of fun, <laughs> with the idea that there was just no one seemingly going to have a tag team title match at WrestleMania? Mm. Like, just no one. Just wasn't going to happen. That's what AEW would have done. Sorry. <laughs> they would have told you something was going to happen because it has to happen. Mm. The rest of the division is in a showcase match and nobody's piped up to be like, wait a second, these are free. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the women's tag titles aren't being defended either. So, oh, yeah. anyway. That's, uh, a, that's a raft of other problems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving on, uh, it was time for Austin Theory versus Montez Ford. I had a load of fun watching this, I've got to be honest. Um, it's just a, a <laughs> sneak peek of hopefully what we're going to get from, from Montez in a few months, probably. Yeah. Um, Theory knocks Ford down, mocks his little dance. Uh, but Ford fires back up with some stomps of his own, sends Theory to the floor, tosses him over the barricade and sits on some fans as we uh, take a break. When we come back, Ford is rolling. He uh, hits a flying crossbody, clotheslines, back elbow, belly-to-back suplex, a you-can't-see-me standing moonsault, hits Theory with a DDT, big flip dive, but in the end, Theory gets out of the way of the big frog splash, hits a rolling dropkick, A-Town down, Austin Theory gets the one, two, three. No great surprise there, of course, because he's facing John Cena at WrestleMania for the US title. He actually grabbed a mic afterwards, sent a message to John Cena with this uh, victory. He says, look, Montez Ford didn't believe in me. Now he does. As for you, John, you don't believe in me, but at WrestleMania, you will. So my feelings were, I really enjoyed this. My thoughts were, they only achieved 50% of their goal. Yesterday, we were talking about this match on the podcast and how it's quite a nice time for these two to be wrestling because you've got this Ford... Dawkins split and Austin Theory has kind of picked them off one at a time and the Street Profits are on a losing streak but Ford is the guy that excites and delights and theoretically even if he's getting beat he's just leaving you with these memories the match was super successful at that they have told him to watch tapes of just turned babyface 1995 Shawn Michaels and I say that from memory because it was sort of upsetting my senses that I was like more excited by him than Bret Hart for a second. He would do this. He would run into the crowd and sit on the front row. He would slide under King Kong Bundy's legs and then poke Ted DiBiase in the eye and get back in the ring. And he was just like a, it was a cartoon, but it was so exhilarating mm. because this guy that you'd secretly kind of liked all along, suddenly you could cheer with him. And they've given this stuff to Montez Ford because he's got that pace and charisma and all the aerial ability and all that kind of thing. So fantastic. A, a TV match that, at least for this week, maybe, I'll remember for what Montez Ford contributed to it. The other half of the equation was to give Austin Theory a big win and cut all that down and be like, now nah, I'm the star right now and I'm going up against the other star. The star that told me I wasn't the star just two weeks ago. And week by week, I'm proving that. He's not proving it. Like, with every passing week, he's basically kind of confirming what John Cena said was correct. And this continues to be the Austin Theory problem for me. And I... We had the conversation yesterday about it being the Asuka Bianca Belair match. Could be this. It could be Austin Theory versus John Cena when we hit the headlock. It'll and be dies so loud. Maybe it will because it's, it's Cena. John Cena and they love him. Like, but I just, I am just not seeing it with Austin Theory. And the weaker he looks on television, the more John Cena's promo is even more damaging than it felt at the time. Because I was half into it, but it's like, ah, oh, now you've got to prove him wrong. You have to for that to make sense. And you can't, you can't beat him. You don't beat someone in a predetermined match and develop the intangible no. star it factor. It's not how any of this works. 
I want to see Montez Ford versus John Cena. Yeah. More yeah. than this. Um, it, I think this will be a case of, a, of it will be all right on the night. John Cena is simply too much of a megastar. He's WWE royalty. The remaining fans who didn't migrate to AEW love him. It'll be all right on the night, and we will get, I am sure, a lot of tedious discourse about, see, Austin Theory is a star. He's not. He oh. just worked a match with John Cena in a stadium that looked beautiful. Um, it just feels like not a big match. Um, as a TV match goes, it was quite nice, quite fluid, quite snappy, not without a bit of drama, but nothing more. In theory, as soon as the microphone is in his hand, just reeks of mid-card. Yeah. He's the most tell-not-show headline yeah. pushing in uh, a long time. Especially when, you know, it's annoying because we recorded the podcast yesterday and then the news Kennedy broke. Kennedy had a catchphrase uh-huh. that people liked. Yep. That's, the, that's the equivalent. He's way more Mr. Kennedy than he is Randy Orton, Roman Reigns. I'm not the biggest Randy Orton guy, but you could tell way early in his career he had something. That's, that's kind of all he had, and it got boring, but he had something. <laughs> it's theory. He's just a mid-carder. He just is. Yeah. Especially when, yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday when you find out Grayson Waller's backstage. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, you don't know about him. NXT preview podcast later on today. He wasn't on screen, though, I know. Was he? Annoying. Would have been, well, I because it would have been a danger to Austin Theory to use him, wouldn't it? And Miz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. What are you two? <laughs> Who's that guy, then, anyway? Out of the way, you. <laughs> um, we go to the uh, Bloodline locker room. In come the Usos. Reigns. Oh, the tension. I love the tension mm-hmm. here. Um, and the little looks, obviously, with all this, you can. If, you, if this is your sort of thing, you can really get into it. Uh, Rain's like, not off to a great start tonight. And Jimmy says, "Look, nothing could hurt me more than being torn away from my brother and having to sit there and answer to it like it was his fault." Which you know is meant to be aimed at Sammy and Kevin and the, the issues they've had with them, but it's kind of aimed at the tribal chief. Uh, Rain's, of course, as a part of this, gives him a bit of a look. And Jimmy says, yeah, I'll never forgive Sami Zayn for this. Um, and they say, we'll get him at WrestleMania. And Rain says, I hope so. Uh, and he says, wise man, send everyone out. Except you, Jay. And we go to a break. And I know this is convoluted wrestling stuff, like we yeah. always say. But I shoot believe that Roman Reigns could have just sat there for three minutes in complete silence with Jay. Because he's a gaslighting prick. And then gone... Right, I'm ready to talk now. Okay. Yeah. You know when you're at one of these tapings and they leave the poor sod in the ring who's had to enter before yeah. the, the commercial break? Imagine if they left them on the screen just staring at each other yeah. and the fans had to like sit in the tension of three minutes of them eyeballing one another. It's like, which one's going to speak? Like That might be quite effective for the for the live crowd. Please, somebody talk. I can't, yeah. It's unbearable. So uh, we come back and, yeah, Reigns decides to, to then start talking and say... I haven't uh, seen or heard from you in a while. And then suddenly you're, you're what, back making decisions, booking WrestleMania title matches? Look, to be, in order to make those sort of decisions, you need to be back in the family, back in the bloodline. Are you still in the family, Jay? Jay's like, hey, I'm with you. I'm bloodline, Oose. And Reigns is like, okay. Jay goes to leave. And that gaslighting knobhead puts his hand on his leg and goes, hey, hey, I love you. Jay leaves. Eamon awkwardly slides <laughs> in and goes, did you get the answer you were looking for, my tribal chief? And Rain says, yes. Eamon looks very worried. 
I thought this is fantastic. I'll go back again to this time last year, and we were about a month or that dreadful Brock Lesnar match. Great build, bad match. And Roman Reigns in about April doing those house shows and saying that this might be the last time I see you. It's been like breaking character. It's been fantastic to come to these towns, but I might not be back again. Sammy drops in the storyline and Roman's like, all right, I'll do a few more TV days. Like, you, it just he's found his voice again as a character. He's clearly running out of like fuel and fumes in this feud. With, well, it's gimmick, and you just he's got everybody, me included, on strings again. I think his acting is like really impressive as far as wrestler acting goes. Yes, like it's he does the invisible camera. He plays it really well, considering how fundamentally daft. And it's like thank such a, you. Such a right to point it out. Like it's fundamentally daft, and yet he plays it so well that you just I certainly just get drawn in, and I just like to watch it and kind of take it for what it is. The latest, like the details matter, I think. Like, I always loved that he held, he was, I was just about technology, the Usos, and then, yes. oh, that interruption happened. And even, like, the acknowledgement is more important than the love, because the love, we know the acknowledgement is real, the love is fake, and he's used and abused that love for, like, what, three years now yeah. with Jey Uso? So him saying, I love you, is in, like, that's about as much power as I want to give you when really it's no power at all. And the tag match is awesome, the Cody Rhodes singles match is awesome. The ramifications of both of those and how they might overlap over the two nights is just as awesome. If Jey Uso, if the Usos lose the tag belts on night one, Roman will be in storyline trying to turn Jimmy against Jay and blaming him. For like, and then if he loses to Cody, it's like, if it wasn't for Jay putting a crack in the foundation of the bloodline, we'd all be fine. And then it's like he's going to try and get between brothers and like all of this. They are potentially, unless you just have a total face turn and collapse at WrestleMania, and I don't think it goes that way. You are really impressively setting up major, major matches. I think, Sid, we did a podcast where you're on about Jay and Roman for SummerSlam, maybe, yeah. if Roman goes away. Definitely. Like, you can absolutely get there. They are potentially laying traps for a ton of massive matches with this. And we had it, like, in the main event as well. Again, just, like, super impressed. The I love you line, like, what an arsehole. Yeah. I, I almost got cross. Yeah. Like, you don't. <laughs> you're just saying it because you realise it's worked out quite nicely for Kevin and Sammy. Like, the the timing of his I love you to Jay was just devastating, but it was so transparent, and you'd hope that Jay at WrestleMania is going to realize just how transparent that was. Like the last, what's the cliche, the last refuge of the scoundrel? So I, I, I love you. But you don't, mm. but you know that it works for other people. Um, really, really well done by the standards of invisible camera nonsense. Well, <laughs> the rest of the show up until the main event sucked. His individual performance here, he's never looked more like he's losing control. Yeah. Which I think is quite, that's quite impressive. Like, I don't know if that's just me buying into the story, but with his face acting the old way, when like when he was on the cross stuff and it was like, oh, it's only Drew McIntyre. Like, it was just like, <laughs> he genuinely felt like he was a man in control, but like, that's gone now and you mm. can see it falling away. Um, Postman Pierce is backstage talking to Byron Saxon. I'm not sure if this is the bit where they talked about the four-way tag tile, tag tag match, basically, yeah. or whatever it was. Regardless, um, Pierce uh, is going to talk about that when he gets tapped on the shoulder. Chelsea Green's there. Excuse me, can I talk to the manager? And he just keeps being like, "It's it's me. I'm the I'm the guy who does all these things that you're complaining about." Basically. Um, she is annoyed. She's got matching gear for her and Carmella, but Carmella's not here. Um, but she's got a new tag team partner. Here's Piper Niven. Um, she wants whoever's in charge. Again, Pierce, it's me. Um, I want to be in that women's showcase fatal four-way. Um, and he says, well, I'm still finalizing those teams. And she says, look, I'm a star. I need to be putting this match immediately. You don't want to make me angry. Otherwise, I'll go on social media and put you on blast. Or even worse, block you. She leaves. And he's like, that's fine. <laughs> I, I really like this Chelsea Green character. It's for this. 
Like, uh, she's a good WWE character in terms of... You Bureaucracy. Need, yeah, you need these nonsense characters to move TV matches along the way that WWE books, and I'd rather have entertaining ones than rubbish ones. Mm. And they're typically, they're absolutely useless. I quite like her in this role. And, seen as... Something tells me we might not talk about the match. Uh, Piper Niven, as the Bianca Belair good TV moment cheat code, like, has been That's doing great this for years. Shout, actually, yeah. like, they always, like... People absolutely love it when there's when those two fight and then she lifts her up and like shows her feet of strength. Like Bianca Belair has needed this sort of thing. Like I don't know any point any week in 2023 she yeah. could have done with a moment like that. She's been finished in 2023. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got to <laughs> disagree with you, Sige, when you say that after this after the bloodline segment everything was bad. Other than Otis, oh yeah, but also I think you might admit. Oh my god. The video package for Brock Lesnar and Omos. The it was funny and good at the same time because I'll, do, I'll, I'll just run it down. Yeah, so they, they they're putting over Brock Lesnar, all these incredible achievements he's had, all the world titles, you know, UFC championships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, quadruple XL gloves or whatever it was that they specially had to get made, and then they're like, and look at the fucking size of Omos. <laughs> he's tall. He's got big hands, and I mean, and look at him. That's all it was, basically. But I was hooked. It didn't really work as a tale of the tape because no. it was too funny. Like Lesnar's <laughs> amazing. He needs no introduction. Omos has lost two big singles matches and has just happens to be really tall. So it didn't do a good job of framing them as equals because that is impossible. But the footage and the way in which it was edited of Lesnar being very, very scary in the ring was so good. Got me genuinely hyped to watch Brock Lesnar in a match because I remember just how fantastic he is when he's in there. There was footage of him in uh, AJ Styles and the way he reversed the pressure of the uh, calf crusher by bludgeoning his head against the canvas. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, that guy is so scary! Like, like the mountain or something in games. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him in a. Go for his car. I'll just smash your head against the concrete <laughs> until it explodes. He's just an animal when he's in there, and this really, really did a fantastic job of framing that. This is such a gift of a match for when they're arranging the two nights, and it's like wh- like one of the shows is going to feel short. That's just how it goes. Like, what? It's just short something. If this, you use this and you go early, you put it on early before the fans in the building have got too tired, it's perfect because it doesn't promise quality, but the freak show element of it, is a guaranteed popper. So like if a Tony it, Khan party match semi main. Yeah, if, if a card is a jolt of adrenaline. If it's just looking like it's missing something, then this is where that mm-hmm. match goes. You kind of use it last, and you see which card needs it the most. It's like, well, it's, it's great booking, and I don't know why people were off against yeah, it. Yeah, no. it's like that. Uh, and you haven't said skip, but my notes imply that this is a match we skipped because it went about twenty seconds effectively. It was almost versus Mustafa Ali, who's. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's absolutely garbage. Yeah. yeah he, g- he gets squashed with a tree slam immediately. I did oh. tell you for about four months, Wilborn, that this was going to end terribly for Mustafa Ali. Yeah. What did you say? I still, 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 no, when are you going to be cynical like me? Probably. It's probably sooner rather than later. Do you remember Stone Cold Mustafa Ali? Like when he did, there was one week where he was like fighting Seth Rollins in the crowd. And oh, he, was like, he can't yeah. be stopped. Like, and the last time that comparison was when it was Stone Cold Seth Rollins and he was like attacking yeah. Eric Young with a chair. He's a, he's a wild animal. He's rubbish. <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler was watching, going, bloody hell, Mustafa. Get, end this now. <laughs> yeah. Mercy kill this. He got tree slammed. Bloody ha- hammer. And then MVP said, I'm g- he's going to bloody beat you, Rock, basically. Um, 
Logan Paul's walking backstage. He's coming out for his impulsive TV segment when he gets approached by them. And he, Logan Paul's there with his weird dad. Um, and the Miz comes up to him uh, and is like, oh, well, what time do you want me to come out there to talk about hosting WrestleMania? And Logan Paul's just like, hard pass, thanks. Uh, and then we get impulsive TV with Logan Paul. He gets the whole what treatment. Um, Ugh, he's despised by everyone. This crowd, didn't they? Uh, he says, the I don't main have- event as well. He says, I don't have to do this. Vermin. I do it because I love it. Uh, but you don't love me. There's probably two people in the arena that love me. My dad. Uh, and dad's a weird dude. Is he? I'll tell you more about it after this pod. Oh, right, okay. I mean, he had two sons and they were the Pauls. So, like, yeah, I would yeah, have actually can be inferred. He says, yeah, my dad and that kid with a sign for Prime, basically. Yeah. Um, he says, look, no matter how many times I get on the mic or I beat up one of your superstars, you'll never bloody respect me. You don't, I don't care, though. It's not my fault you dorks refuse to see my talent. I'm a 360-degree entertainer. I don't know what that means. Uh, there's nothing I can't do. No seat I can't fill. No person on the roster I can't compete with. I am that good. In fact, that's why, bollocks, no guest on Impulsive. I can do it all. Uh, plus, no celebrity friend of mine would come to St. Louis. Ugh. Two words. Get real. <laughs> I did like the. In fact, if I did bring anyone here, they'd be out quicker than the Rams. It's such a great cheat code in America, isn't it? It never works here in the UK. Not really? But just either your sports team's crap or your sports team is no longer your sports team because they've moved to somewhere else. And people are just like, boo! Instant moving franchise one really hurts, tax, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Which I get as it's well. Weird. I, have, I have Newcastle, who I support with 20% of my heart, <laughs> just moved to like. It's London took him. Aye, like, yeah. What? <laughs> kill you, wouldn't it? Aye. Uh, just like those magpies flew out of this hole. Like, uh, uh, what? Who was it? Was it Jermaine Defoe they had round here? They brought him, like, he scored a winner in a derby on a Sunday and they brought him out of a house show on a Wednesday. I don't know if they knew what they were in for. And he just, he was like this short getting bottled off. <laughs> like a kid friendly house show on a Wednesday night. I also like the one. I seem to remember one where they're like, the heels were like, okay, where are we? Manchester, and they're like, got it. How about them Manchester City, huh? And it's like, no, people from Manchester probably prefer Manchester City a lot of the time. They went in London. They went in London. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when uh, WWE had the thing with BT Sport and they put all the wrestlers in football tops and it was like whoever it was, let's say Baron Corbin in a Man United top, an MVP like replied to the BT Sports Instagram account and he was absolutely raging. Uh, I've been to Old Trafford three times and I've got MVP on three separate Man United shirts and uh, I've been a Man United fan since uh, before you were born. So uh, what is this absolute disgusting state of affairs? He's like, oh, you've got your, you've got three shirts yeah. with your name on. Like, so is one of my sons. Yeah. <laughs> Man United seven. fan, are you? Name the treble winning side. <laughs> Bet you won't remember Henning Berg, will you, you prick? Anyway, talk, talk me through Jesper Blomqvist. Oh, on tell. That was a one-season wonder, wasn't he? But yeah. what a season. Is that the same with Poborski, or was he good for a Poborski short was while? better in, like, tournaments, I think, wasn't he, than in yeah. the league. Yeah. Diego Forlan as well. Forlan yeah. just sucked. Yeah. Forlan sucked for United, and then he went to, was that Atletico? Yeah. Got good again, didn't he? Yeah. What was it, 2014 World Cup? 2010, maybe. Yeah, yeah it was a beast. And it was just like, oh, no one can kick this ball, but I can. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> I'm the best. Uh, anyway. Um, oh, yeah. He's looking forward to going back to LA, where the Rams are now, uh, to beat Seth Rollins on his birthday. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> says, look, Seth's great. I'm going to be honored to share the ring with him. But uh, my brother brought up a good point. 
How can you be afraid of a guy named Seth? <laughs> Seth which made me laugh because we were uh, yeah. reminded me of the the Shaggy Two Dope thing from yesterday. Steve Rogan. <laughs> Steve Rogan. <laughs> um, uh, he says, oh, let's get a replay. And they keep showing the replay of him KOing Seth Rollins and they put like clown emojis and bloody sound effects on it. And then suddenly, what's going on here? My mic's not working. And uh, it's Seth Rollins in the truck. It's, ah, oh, what? I can't work this. What's going on? If only something could save this segment. <laughs> and then we get... Oh, I've not updated it again. The more redundant that is, the better. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, he comes down and he gets, I was about to say, to the song he gets, but it's not the right song, but he gets the, uh, all that. Me, me. I, d- I do like Logan Paul's little, like, little negs that he's trying to, uh, this, this, this stupid song, it sucks <laughs> anyway, this song. Um, and it looks like Seth's ready to cut a promo on him, and then he suddenly just goes after him, brawl, they wrestle to the outside, the referees break him free, and they're back together, and again, and again. Um, and uh, he pulls uh, uh, Logan's leg out from under, and he falls onto the table. Um, and uh, Seth rolls into the ring and smashes some stuff up and falls on the table. Seth goes up top, and he jumps off, but Logan's moved, and Seth just lands on some, I don't know, bodies, some bloody losers out there. Turns round, right hand from Logan Paul. He gets KO'd again, does Seth Rollins. I like the fact that they're re-establishing re- this. I like this segment. I thought this was really great. You know, like, it's... It's not easy to do the in-ring, Miss TV, whatever that they've always done. Yeah. Um, but Logan Paul, yet again, feels like a transgression in this world. Impulsive TV, to me, felt like an invasion of Raw, which, like, I don't hold Raw as this, like, sort of sacrosanct thing. And yet, it was like, this guy, this, like, awful, awful person. And they've, I think, I don't know if it's because he's fighting Seth but it's honestly made it feel like, the, the, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where like Seth has to sort of defend this turf almost against this awful, awful person in Logan Paul. He's dialing it up, but it's just like, this is the personality he should have played. Like I understood I understood the need to make him kind of a situational babyface against Roman. But even then, in like that press conference stuff, he was still an arsehole. So it was just, well, Roman's a bigger one right now. <laughs> yeah. Now we're back to like Logan Paul being this dickhead. I bought Logan Paul so much here. I now think he has to win and they've got, like, a Saudi show quite soon after WrestleMania. The King of the Ring one? Yeah. I think you need to do, if Cody wins the belt, I think you need to do Logan Paul, Cody Rhodes right you now. always just fail upwards. Yeah. It is the fair. I suppose. But, like, I, I, Seth can lose, too. Like, I, I think he needs to knock him out and beat him. Or you could have Logan Paul entering, the like, because the talk is they're going to split the belts by SummerSlam. And we had a lot of people uh, suggesting that they just have Cody because he's quite good with this sort of thing. It's going to be convoluted, but basically say, oh, I want the WWE Championship, but I don't want to hold the Universal Championship hostage, so let's have a tournament, and the King of the Ring is world champion. Imagine if Logan Paul makes it to the final of that tournament. I think he could sell it as well. I think he could, like, I really, like, you trust him now in ring, because he's, there's enough evidence to suggest that on the night it's going to be tremendous stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these promos as well, he knows who he is, and he doesn't lose any of the star power by having that. Like, he's a kind of a cheat code guy for them because he's a part-timer, but he's not because when he gets in there, he doesn't feel like a celebrity that's play-acting. He feels like he belongs in it. I don't know. I think they've, they've really got something quite special with him as a heel. I I had a similar experience watching this, but I was down on the segment on the whole. 
Logan Paul is it. He's just got everything that they th- what they see in Austin Theory is what Lo- Logan Paul <laughs> yeah, actually is. He's it's having them on the same show is like having Brock Lesnar and Lord Tensai return on the same <laughs> for me. He is absolutely outclassed in every single department that you can't measure is Austin Theory compared to Logan Paul, who just is major league, such a detestable heel. And I just want him to win this match against Seth Rollins, who is ostensibly upholding the honor of wrestling. Um, so I don't think that's working. Tell you what as well, I've spent the better part of, at this point, about three years trying to, A, determine what Seth Rollins' character actually is, and B, whether or not I like it, or whether or not I quite like it, in spite of the fact that it's stupid. Um, I can never tell. The fans are into it. I think they just like singing the song to an extent. He doesn't feel like their hero. And I had something of an epiphany when, look, I understand what they're doing here. They are building a near fall in that match. That's what they've been doing throughout this entire build. Logan Paul is going to punch Seth Rollins and he's going to get an awesome 2.9 kick out. Like, I'm not stupid. That's what they're doing. But he looks like such a clown, Seth Rollins, with his own sartorial choices <laughs> that when he gets decked, and I don't think they should be decking the babyface as much as they have with Seth, regardless of the spot they're building at Mania. When he's decked out, looking like that. I just think it's slapstick and he looks like a clown. I don't think he's a sympathetic baby face. I think he's all over the map with his character. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's trying to be a dickhead, an endearing dickhead who looks like a clown, who's a bit weird and don't you love him anyway? And when he, when you get to the, when you distill everything down to its essence and what this should be with the idiotic way in which he dresses himself and carries himself, when he has to sell a heat angle and get sympathy, I just think he looks like an idiot. It just doesn't work for me mm. at all. When it really matters, when it really counts, this Seth Rollins character just doesn't really work. Did you see the video of the like lad in real life that got the big red boots? He's like he's with his mates basically, and they're clearly this group dynamic is that like he's the guy at the front and he's like the loudmouth of all the mates and things like that. And the caption was something like. Even his friends know these are ludicrous or something like that. And like he's just started, he's talking up these, oh, they're super rare, they're super expensive. And there's like three of the lads behind him just looking like, like gone too far. That's yeah. terrible, but nobody has the guts to tell him to go to his like knees or something. I just, uh, I think this, these are one of many reasons nowadays where I'm like, oh, I'm old now. <laughs> yeah. Like a new social network comes out and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not right. for me. Not for me. Remember that like supposed babyface one that like for a second felt like it was going to replace Twitter? Mastodon. Is that what it was? A few people got their accounts and then it was like, yeah, watch how quickly that all that just completely dissolves and people just stick with Twitter. I didn't bother even no. setting up an account. I you just could, you could smell it, couldn't you? Like it's I just, it was never going to take it off. Was Vine our last one? Probably. Oh, no, I didn't I, really do a lot of vining, to be honest. I just enjoyed. I just watched YouTube compilations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the best bits of Vine is, is why TikTok is effective, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately. Might watch some Vines with me dinner. Vine compilation 68 on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's the croissant one again. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Um, right, we get a clip of one of the biggest stars uh, in NXT. Um Grayson Bloody Waller attacking Johnny Gargano at his house. Um, they cut out the acting from Candice LeRae. I wonder why that was. Uh, and then it was time for Gargano with his taped up ribs because he got a broom smashed over them, I think, was it? Stomach. Yeah. Against um, Dominic Mysterio, <laughs> who is part of a group, actually, I've just realised, isn't he? He's in the f***ing judgment day. Uh, Johnny Gargano is slightly better at wrestling than Dominic in the early stages. Then look at him. I think he, he was lost his battery. He was outclassed. So. I think he, I think Dominic was probably leading him through it. But you know, <laughs> um, suicide dive, rolling kick to the head, Hurricane Rana. Dominic's on the floor. Suicide dive. Um, and Dominic manages to drop him into like the steps in the barricade to take us to a break. When we come back, Dominic's doing the old three amigos, uh, but Gargano <laughs> counters out of it. <laughs> Hits him with a spear for two. Do, Don Beginoff's great. No, 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 no. Then just throws him into the turnbuckle. Cover with his feet on the ropes. All the usual heel stick here. Ref catches him. Gargano fires back with a super kick for a near fall. Uh, Dom tries a 6-1-9, but Gargano ducks it. Hits a clothesline and lawn dart. A super kick for another near fall. They're fighting on the top rope, uh, but Dom drops Gargano off it. The injured ribs. Oh, bloody hell. Frog splash to his back, to the injured ribs. One, two, three for Dominic Mysterio. Post-match, he gets on the mic and informs his good-for-nothing father that he's going to stop at nothing to get a match against him at WrestleMania. And then he remembers that the entire Mysterio family is going to be on SmackDown on Friday. The same family that blocked his number and kicked him out of the group chat, which is fine because the Judgment Day group chat is better. Hang on one second. It says the uh, Judgment Day group... Anyway... <laughs> It's just timing. Jesus. The what's, the, what's the key to a good joke? The uh, <laughs> Judgment Day group chat's better. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? I bet the bloody rinsed edge after that promo we're going to get to in a bit. <laughs> um, anyway, he says, uh, my, I'm going to get 
Mammy, but his actual mum, uh, to convince Ray to accept the match if his, if he can get his balls out of a bloody purse. Can I talk first? Yeah. This is, it's a good job. It's a good job that Dominic Mysterio is meant to be <laughs> <laughs> Because Dominic Mysterio is f***ing <laughs> Jesus Christ. How do you get worse and worse and worse and progressively <laughs> worse at something the more you do it? Isn't the expression, practice makes perfect? How does he get worse? <laughs> he regresses every single week. It's and again, this storyline, well plotted, like very well plotted by the standards of WWE melodrama. It knows what it is, and thank God for that. It's not condescending at all. It knows exactly what it is. You're not being asked to, um, you know, debate who's the better man, who's going to win. It's just a really perverse thing. I want to watch a father kick his son's ass. It's really cool. It's really perversely stupid and entertaining. The amount of times in this match where Dominic had to like feed for Gargano's stuff and was just <laughs> either just stood there like a statue and Gargano had to like do a high kick on his sh- shoulder or like the space above his head because he just <laughs> wasn't doing anything right and it just looked so clunky and bad. And what was the uh, his outline on this promo? Yeah. What was he doing? It's Charlie Nicholas on soccer side, isn't it? Well, uh, we can get your, yeah. Well, you you can go and get your, your balls out of your <laughs> wife's purse, uh, Ray. You're my dad, so you yeah, your balls are in her purse, probably. This was funny though. <laughs> terrible, terrible. And I tell you what, Johnny Gargano needs to grow up. I know he likes playing with these N64s, and I know he likes going to Disney World. But he has spent 2016. He first turned up in NXT. Mm-hmm. He has spent. Seven years of his life, basically cosplaying and simping for Shawn Michaels and to a lesser extent, Triple H. And this is his reward. He needs to grow up and just realize, hang on, I'm I, like, he's just licking their asses for seven years, like doing their poses and photo shoots. For what? Mm. To get beat off him is fought it as heat up Dominic. The guy needs to realize that he's fast becoming a joke. The thing is as well, like, there's two types of wrestling fans there, realistically. There's the people on Twitter or on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> right deep in the weeds of all of this. And it's that fandom is encased in a bubble. And there's the actual fans who go to the arenas and buy the shows and watch on the telly and all the rest of it. My God, they both think he's a joke. One thinks is, like, you've got, like, to a smaller set, you've got the absolute WWE diehards who like literally anything with the initials. They don't count. Even less than the bubble people. The bubble people used to think he was a really critically acclaimed great wrestler, and he was in 2018. It's five years ago. Five years ago. They think he's a bit of a joke, and the fans that do matter, who aren't in the bubble, think literally nothing of him. He's made a terrible career choice, and I think he really, and I'm not even joking with this, I think like he's had an absolute nightmare and is I just feel bad for him because he seems like a nice bloke, one of the few nice ones in all of wrestling. The twenty eighteen version of Johnny Gargano is has evaporated. This is his reward. Like he needs to have a word with himself. I think this was uh Terrible because it was Triple H doing Shawn Michaels. I thought this was decent booking. 
because like I don't care that Johnny Gargano was lost in the in the context of Monday Night Raw, he's a loser anyway. So he's fulfilled his profile that has existed since last summer. <laughs> Tonight on NXT, Grayson Waller is going to say like uh, Dominic Mysterio has beaten down one deadbeat dad in you, Johnny Gargano, before he beats down his own at WrestleMania and Rey Mysterio, because last week we had Johnny Gargano getting beaten down in front of his own kid, and that's where Grayson Waller has managed to get to Johnny that Gargano. That was terrible as well. That was useless, but that's how he's gotten to Gargano in the way that he got to Shawn Michaels, is by like targeting the fact that he's a pathetic dad and he just beat him up in front of his own kid and I think that was the point of this like somebody else's kid has just beaten you up Johnny Gargano like I think it's all supposed to tie together there and I don't think that's terrible like from a from a booking standpoint I don't think that's terrible because this Johnny Gargano character is dead anyway so use it like use the fact that these things tie together um but I like I I don't have anything tie together a shoelace it doesn't make a good story (laughs) Or it makes a functional shoe, but it makes a functional shoelace and a functional shoe, and that's what Johnny Gargano is. He's a shoe. <laughs> like the, it's like that's the best you're going to get out of him at the moment. As for Dominic, um, I was way less down than Cedric was on this match. I actually was quite impressed that he's rubbish. By the way, <laughs> I'm going to just throw in my credibility on the fact that I love the Judgment Day. He's rubbish. However, what he's been doing lately in trying to perfect these Eddie Guerrero spots is almost an addition to the story of, like, I don't just do the comedy, like, knockabout stuff to trigger you, Dad, my dead-be-dead Rey Mysterio. I'm now also like, wishing I had another dad in Eddie Guerrero, and here's how I'm going to sort of display that to you. And I'm really, re- again, like, I think it's good build because I'm super hyped for SmackDown. It's like, decent episodic oh, yeah. stuff. And I'm completely on Rey and Dom is going to be amazing at WrestleMania. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. I think that's going to be an absolute, like, what, the loudest Rey Mysterio match ever. And, and it's against his useless kid. It's a <laughs> triumph of storytelling, but this was not. This was not a triumph of storytelling. I think this he wins. Just terrible. Like, I think he wins because I think there's a second match in it. I think there's a hair versus mask. Like, Dominic's Eddie Mullet versus Rey Mysterio's mask at Backlash. That's... Like, I think there's. I think Dominic gets to beat him at WrestleMania the night after he's gone the whole... It's like, it's all cruel. It's all magic. It's pro wrestling nonsense. It's great. Uh, and that and that is the answer to the question. How the hell do you get another month out with Dominic Mysterio after WrestleMania? We fight his dad again. Um, we go backstage, and now Heyman's telling uh, the Usos and Solo Segura, uh, Roman Sappy, night off. Go to the uh, bus or whatever it is, and we've got shrimp and Mahi Mahi, all the... Sushi tr- on the jet. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, seafood, seafood spreads waiting. Um, except for you, Solo. Roman wants to speak to you. You says again, a bit put out with like, yeah, more mahi mahi for the rest of us, I suppose. Um, and then, yeah. oh, sorry, guys. I just feel I get a bit connected <laughs> because it is time for a floating head program for me. I am a hostile man. The still cell gives me freedom to let it out. My vein is popping out of my forehead again. <laughs> You have no idea what it is like to be in a cell with me. I have been baptized by the dead man. Uh, <laughs> do whatever you need to do. Bring your demon. I'll bring the devil. Drivel. Oh, yeah. this, was, this was Edge at his, like, worst? Yeah, worst. At his very worst ever in his career. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't take a word of what he said, seriously. The idea that Edge is meant to be some kind of, like, badass, that's never what worked about his character, ever. He was an incredibly cunning guy. That was his legitimate gimmick. 
that was what worked so wonderfully about his ring style is that he had it up here, his brain and his mental, and and take him seriously as a badass ever, not once in his career. Like the despicable things, but not because he was tough enough to do it, because he was clever mm. and like you know morally reprehensible that could lead him down that path. The idea that he's like, you know, I want my pound of flesh. Like I can kill people in cages and I'll put you through a wall. It's like you're you're a loser. <laughs> you're a loser. I don't take anything you say seriously. And I find this Edge character so cringeworthy. He's lost his mind. <laughs> he is absolutely He's meant to be one of the big revered minds of the business. I know it's still there. I watched that match with Austin Theory. Mm. Who do you think he is? I was I was like, who do you who, who do you think you are? I was watching this going basically going. I wanted to die when I was watching <laughs> it. Fingers in my ears. La, 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 la. I'm just gonna remember that match you had with Seth Rollins inside <laughs> a cell that was really good. Cause don't let me think about this version versus Fish Boy. So that point about like as a baby face or heel, by the way. That doing fish <laughs> things. He's doing fish fin ballot. That uh, that point about Edge being like this despicable heel and it being a, it's being like a character rather than a gimmick. This is all gimmick, isn't it? Like Paul Heyman, it's like to get the big pop at one night stand. Hide your wives. It's Edge. Like what a bastard! Yeah. Like it's not like oh no, it's that floating head we're afraid of, which is what he was here. He's just this. He's a cartoon. This this version of Edge is a cartoon, and it's such a stark contrast to the Elimination Chamber tag match and the Austin Theory match. What has made Edge? Not well. No. What has made Adam Copeland say yes to this creative? I, I, th I think they were just buying me as a stand-up guy that wanted to defend his wife and was sick of these dickheads, these goth jocks, like messing me around. You have creative control. I know this is what I mean. Like these, like the judgment. You shouldn't day, the, <laughs> the judgment day haven't been this corrupted? No. Since Edge was in the group, so it's him. It's it's not yeah, that they've never been corrupt since he left. Finn Balor was like, that's not working. Let's be knobheads. And they got, <laughs> over, and they got over. And Edge was like, well, I'm still in the knobhead stuff, but we'll do it. I'll be a good guy instead. Like, if he's in charge of this, he wants shooting. This is he useless. He wants shooting, like, he does want shooting. I, that expression at <laughs> I will say this, by the way. I love watching that Royal Rumble return for Edge. Lovely moment. The look, on, look on his face. Bored. But the bit in One Night Stand, I don't know why this appeals to me so much, where Paul Heyman swaggers over and goes, I got two words for you. Matt freaking Hardy. Edge does the spit take and goes, that's three. <laughs> I think that's the best moment of his career, in my opinion. It used, to, it used to be so good. Yeah, It used to be amazing. This version of Edge is a caricature of something he never was. Always go back to the pep. Like the clash at the castle. Oh, yeah. right, the people, people love just, Edge. People just, wanted it. people just wanted Edge and his face. It was written all over his face. Like, oh, man, it's sometimes still really class to be Edge. He thinks this is when it's class to be edgy. Oh, He's so wrong. He's sitting in your little room with your candles. Don't piss about this nonsense, Adam. Uh, right. <laughs> like Anna Louise there. <laughs> like, literally, whenever you talk. <laughs> He's been there when she, she's legit work sh uh, shushed you. Shushed me. Yeah. I it just got me thinking as well. What was she telling you not to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 this is Can't like... This is like the, the, to try and get the demon over as a heel, isn't it? The demon character's always been a baby face. Until it was a fish and lost. But, like, it was always a big babyface moment for Finn Balor, and now it's going to be a heel for the first time. It's going to be purple, hopefully, but it's going to be a heel. Are for you, have you at a WWE yet? Purple at a Triple H. Show about the purple cell. Oh, I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. Like, can we have the purple cell, please? Like, the heel demon can be a heel by the virtue of the fact it's a fucking demon. I know. Like, they've not thought, like, what if next week there's a babyface? Like, 
uh, Chad Gable has been left alone by, uh, what's his partner's name? Otis. And he's just like looking pretty sad. And then he gets his ass kicked by the demon. Mm. And it's just, like, oh man, the demon's trouble. Why? Because he's a demon. It's like, no, we need Edge to be floating head edge to get him over the heel. It's trash. On our um, SmackDown review yesterday, we were like, oh, I'm kind of back into this uh, Rhea-Charlotte feud. We're just kicking each other's asses like they did at the Money in the Bank. Here we go. So let's have lots more talking here. Oh, God. Do I have to read all this? Well, well, I don't no. want to skip it, but like it, she read talked and talked and talked. What did she talk about, Adam? Charlotte said, you yeah, need to be a star. You're living in the past. Um, it's a terrible name. raw. I don't know what the hell you used to do, I think. Three. Come on, <laughs> I know you, you've basically said it sucked, didn't Hang you? On, right? I, I'm just banging a top babyface Ray Ripley. She's the leader of the division. Uh, Charlotte, Bias we respect her. Um, <laughs> the crowd, I did like the bit where the crowd tried to tried to walk and she went, oh, shut up, you're pathetic. Yeah. Um, stop cu- stop, there's no babyface. Stop cutting a babyface promo then. Yeah. Um, she brings out all of Charlotte's deepest insecurities. She keeps going though. Parlot's faultless. Not really, Ripley. Uh, She's not good at, on the mic. She doesn't need Charlotte's really respect her. She'll fear her. Here comes Bailey and Damage Katara. Speaking right. of right, speaking of leaders, she was waiting for her to mention. Ba- Bailey was waiting for her to mention her name. Uh, she says, "By the way, if you want to know how to beat Charlotte, just ask me. I'll beat her at my first WrestleMania." Uh, and look at what we did last week to Trish. Rhea's like, "I don't need any help from you." She says, "Well, it's our show." She's like, well, "Why don't you get in the ring and show, show me what you mean?" Uh, despite the fact I'm not ring ready, I'll fight any of you. Bailey's like, "All right, I'll fight you." And Pierce sends out a ref to make it official. We get Rhea Ripley versus Bailey. Um, Rhea hits a snapmare and a massive knee when we come back from the break as the, as the match is going. Uh, Rhea, Rhea, Rhea gets sent to the floor, but she drops, uh, blocks that drop kick under the bottom rope, uh, but gets posted. Um, Ripley hits a flip dive off the apron to drop Bailey uh, for two back inside. Um, more interference as uh, she goes for the rip tide. So that brings out Becky Lynch with a big old bag of popcorn. Trish Stratus and Lita to take us to a break. When we come back, Bailey hits the Bailey to belly, but Ripley kicks out a one. No one reacted to this. No. It was sad. Yeah. Yep. Um, Bailey hit another one, but Ripley then counters with a slam of her own. You meant to sh- sorry. Oh, at one, at one. No one cared. No. Um, Ripley. Kicks Bailey, puts her in that prison trap cloverleaf thing that she's got. But um, Damage Katal helped Bailey to get to the rope. So, of course, um, Ripley goes after Dakota Kai and all this kicks off. That allows Bailey to t- take Ripley out. So, Lita and Trish take out Kai and Sky. Lynch backs Bailey back into the ring, who turns around into a riptide. One, two, three. All of this was so. Oh, God. Absolutely. Like, still like Raw? Um, Rhea Ripley's. Promo was pretty terrible. She was asked to say far too much. Her message was so muddled. Mm. Um, I think I just I don't know who the baby face and the heel is. I, I I used to think I did. It was the wrong way around when I did, and now I don't know. It's all been a complete and utter shambles. Um, is Bailey all right? Don't Bailey, know. I wouldn't be if I was her. Bailey screams to me. In a year's time, we're going to get a pretty eye-opening shoot interview about how bored she was and how, like, unmotivated and sort of checked out she was. Because, oh, my God. Like, I... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I (laughs) never liked Heel Bailey once, okay? I loved one of my great friends, Michael Hamflet, enjoying Bailey and genuinely analyzing that double act she had with Sasha Banks. 
I never liked it personally. I liked that he liked it. And I liked that Bailey liked it because I've always liked Bailey. She was weirdly, considering it was 2020, seemed to be having time of her life mm-hmm. like vibes on that TV show. She finally had an agency. She knew that she was fundamentally important to that, whatever passed the TV and WWE um, at the time. She reveled in being this obnoxious, irritant, like just incredibly insufferable character. My God, where's that? What is this? She looks bored out of her mind. She looks like she doesn't believe in herself or anything, and that just incorrupted this entire match. How do you not respond to the kick out at one? Did they do a terrible job of registering it? Is Bailey just so under these days that no one cares about whatever she does, whether she gives what a nice thing to do as well, given Rhea Ripley that ahead of WrestleMania? Yeah. Like she has got Bailey within the industry this reputation of a total uber professional mm-hmm. sweetheart who makes going to work a significantly better thing to do. What a nice thing that is to do on a random TV match. I'm going to give you my old finish, kick out at one, because it's your time now. And what I felt genuinely crestfallen mm. when nobody cared. Like, I was like, wow, she has fallen so far. My God. Someone with a bit of money set up a decent wrestling promotion in the UK and just have Bailey star yeah, because no, that's, where she, that's where she deserves to be. It was a mess. This was a total mess. It's really... I go back and forth on what I think of um, situational heels and baby faces because there are, especially in the last few years with AEW, there's been examples of it done quite well, but I st- even they haven't got a perfect record. I personally don't think with when a character can just drop into one or the other. And it's typically to do with who they're up against as well. Mm. You've got to believe in that character to be able to say, well, all right, yes, they're a heel, but when you're matched up against this dickhead, even I would, you know, like turn on them. Rhea Ripley is not that. Rhea Ripley is a member of the Judgment Day, who we've just discussed in other segments as these arseholes right across the show. Three separate stories, and yet she's positioned as a singular wrestler against another stable of heels. So other than the, to Sidgwick's point, Bailey, the professional wrestler, wants to do some professional wrestling with Rhea Ripley and try and elevate her the best way she can. Like, this had no reason to exist. Like, at no point narratively did it feel right. Mm. Like, you could, like it was just no equilibrium to any of it. You could never get your bearings as a fan. Like, how, how are you supposed to receive Rhea Ripley, this heel, right? Ostensibly this heel that comes out with Dominic Mysterio wearing the mommy shirt and loves winding up Rey Mysterio and trying to get Rey to punch his own kid. To then be like, Charlotte, I'm sick of this. You've got this stranglehold on this division, and I'm gonna. I know who I am now, and I'm gonna be a star. And then doing like a flip dive onto three heels. Like, how on earth are you supposed to tie those two things together? You're not like Triple you're not. Can't book. You're not. Is the point? He's like, lucky he's got Paul Heyman. Useless booking of this division continues, and then you send out Becky and Trish and Lita to even the sides, but they're not. There's now a numerical advantage favoring the baby faces. But by the way, Rhea Ripley's still a heel, and Becky Lynch. Who knows? Like, talk about Bailey just out there thinking, ah, well, this is a frigging year off, isn't it? This is not what I really wanted for my first WrestleMania back. Becky Lynch knows it too. Coming out there with that bag of popcorn and dressing more like big-time Bex than the man was because how the hell else am I going to steal the tiniest bit of focus in this unfocused mess of characters out there doing now? This was, like, the match was fine. Well worked, because what else was it going to be? 
But like it wasn't effective when you're not getting pops off a one count. It's not effective. It's just well-worked wrestling happening in front of you and characters going out there to die at the worst time of year. The brawl was where the feud was and is and has to be. They will show you nothing in the video package that will be as hot as that brawl. That's it. That's the peak of this feud. Yeah. And I, I still maintain Rhea should beat Charlotte Flair in like 20 seconds. This match could die on the Don't night. put it in the main event. I hope they do. Flash Riptide. Flash Riptide win. Charlotte wasn't ready for Rhea Ripley. Underestimated her. Get it done. I hope it goes on the main event because this Triple H can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. He can it. He needs to be held to account for what a terrible booker he is without Paul Heyman's help. True. Uh, what came next you did like, though, because Chad Gay was looking for Otis. He's walking around backstage. Can't find him, but he can find... Otis. He's getting himself a manicure. Um, a manny. A manny. <laughs> he's got a robe on. He's got you know cucumbers on his eyes. I did like the bit where he ate the cucumber that had fallen on his stomach when he... Wonderful. Uh, uh, he's wrapped in towel, yeah. And... Uh, Gable says, we've got a tag title match. No, don't talk, keep saying a tag title. We've got a tag match at WrestleMania, a showcase, whatever that is. Um, I need my number one guy, um, because I've got a match now with another member of the tag team uh, four-way, Ricochet, and you bloody know Ron Strom is going to be out there, so I need my number one guy. Uh, anyway, here comes Maxine Dupree, uh, and she says that uh, Otis has got a meeting with a hand model agent. Uh, I think she called Gable horrifically middle class in this. <laughs> what a line. And said uh, said to him, uh, you're late. What does that make us? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, ah, it's good. Uh, and she's like, got the, did she say photog in this? Yeah. Photog. photog. Got to go. Gable's pulling him. No, no, no. Got the match. Tug of war. And I'm like, oh, no, don't do it again. And he says, uh, let's ride, basically. And he picked. So it's not, I like the fact that he's not just immediately gone on this new thing. I'm just going to go and do this instead, but it was just the beginning of this, wasn't it? Saga. <laughs> um, in between the match, before they had the match between Ricochet and Chad Gable, they announced Andy Kaufman uh, going into the 2023 Hall of Fame, which means... <laughs> the amount of, like, WWE content creators who started watching in, like, at a minimum the early 2000s. Andy Kaufman deserves it. <laughs> what was your favourite Memphis angle? I, yeah, I openly admit on the news, I watched Man on the Moon and went, who's this Andy guy? Yeah. And went back, but yeah. Favourite Memphis angle. I might have to watch that. I've seen <laughs> to Andy on the news. I want to watch Man on the Moon again. It's a great film, obviously. But I also kind of want to watch that documentary with Jim Carrey. Oh, where they Winding up Jerry Lawler, basically. There's another one on Netflix. We'll talk about it after, oh, the, after we record. It's one of them. Yeah. It's one of them like, documentaries, isn't it, as well, where like they're, they're supposed to be framing it. It's like, wow, like, look at the... Uh, inner workings of an artist and you're like method yeah look at like a an skewed power dynamic and a man being an arsehole to everybody he meets like it's good when it's Jerry Lawler because it's an arsehole contest and yeah. like Jim Carrey wins but like yeah they think they're making this like wow man, man behind the, the mask as it were and it's like oh he's terrible thanks it's ruined like three great box office films all the same year yeah what a year 94 was it Mask Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura yeah, yeah. second best 1994 after Kevin Nash Fred versus Owen. You could say it was almost a formative Car experience better. for me at six years old watching those three films. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Does she point at the telly? Mom, Dad, that. <laughs> WrestleMania sign. <laughs> well, there's my future right there. Can I be that? <laughs> I want to be that. But why not? Your dad likes setting fire to a load of like, law textbooks. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
Give up the dream, love. <laughs> He's going to be that twat. <laughs> uh, Ricochet versus Chad Gable came next. A bit, of, bit of an iffy moment early on in this match. I don't know what they were trying to do off the top, but it didn't look pretty. Yeah. It was sort of like a body slam. He just dropped him, and then you could see on Chad Gable's face, he was like, well, that didn't go to plan. <laughs> um, but he comes off with a flying clothesline to take us to a break. Uh, and then they uh, then they get into it after the break. Uh, Ricochet dodges a moonsault. It's a rolling drop kick. Springboard clothesline, running, shooting star press for two. I, I read that out often, whether it be AEW and WWE, and I really just sort of gloss over it. A running, shooting star press. It's, it's ridiculous that anyone can pull that sort of thing off. It is, huh? Um, Not really if the whole body's doing it. <laughs> well, you have to, now. <laughs> uh, trade cradles. Gable hits the cliffhanger DDT for two. Puts him in an ankle lock, but Ricochet slips out of it. Super kick, knee strike. Gable comes back with that dragon... Dragon suplex of his. Oh, my God. Uh, Otis is cheering him on. But suddenly out comes Maxine Dupree and takes Otis to the back. This <laughs> distracts Chad Gable. Uh, he gets uh, Ricochet reverses the chaos theory. Standing slice bread. Shooting, shooting star press. One, two, three. Congratulations, Ricochet, Chad Gable, and Maximum Male Models, Brackets General, because you have earnestly... Got me interested in, in an element of the tag team yeah. showcase match at WrestleMania. This Maximum Male Models angle is a load of fun, but it never felt like it was going to be anything that would trouble WrestleMania. It was just like, you've got to keep the characters busy. like. And what was going to be an Andre Battle Royal is now just a 14 thing. So I'd worry about the 22 people that aren't involved in that match instead of the eight that are after WrestleMania. But I like the Ricochet Strowman team. Yes. One. So I'm quite glad they're on the... Like, I feel like... On merit, they probably deserved a match, and there was just no angle for them. And this is an angle. So, like, will Otis choose WrestleMania to make his choice? And how great... Like, I'm, they've found some drama in something that ordinarily has none on these cards. And technically, isn't one of the Viking Raiders a bit of a hottie to everyone who looks at him? Oh, yeah. There's law there. There's what? Modelling law. Yeah, but, like, last week on Speaking of Law, they did that thing where, like, Sarah Logan looked at Ricochet and, like, briefly cast a spell on him mm. with her funny face. So, like, maybe if, like, somebody's like, oh, one of the Viking Raiders. Yeah, oh, yeah, one of the Viking Raiders is really I fit. I must have forgotten, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. If anyone looks at him, Sarah Logan's going to be like, don't look at him, otherwise I'll curse you with my spooky eyes. She shoots goo out her eyes now. After the uh, middling start, rough, yeah. weird, this was... Of good because, of course, it was without really meeting the expectations. It was just kind of really good. I'm kind of I'm into Ricochet a bit at the moment, and I like pass it on way. It's like good actually. Like he has these matches. Like Ricochet is great. Ricochet is, and I understand I'm elite melodrama guy. So call me a hypocrite if you will. Uh, Ricochet is a cornball yeah. of a wrestler, and sometimes I just find it bit much like the way he sells before doing his match winning shooting star jesus christ he's not dead yeah like he's been in a 10 minute you know pretty hard fought match but he's like he's he sells in the last two minutes of a tv match like it's the 62nd minute of a card at omega four and i just think oh come on he can oversell in wrestling and he definitely does you never want to see the trevor man behind the mask basically no. like oh god there's a real person 
then it was time for Bianca Belair and Asuka versus Piper Niven and Chelsea skip. Green. I realise skip means skip. Skip! But, no, but you'll, you, skip. You, you, you'll appreciate this. What? The fact that on commentary, Corey Graves literally said, bloody hell, every year at WrestleMania, two opponents are forced to tag, and it never ends well. Yes! I don't appreciate Learn from it, it. Because at the very least, they could claim ignorance if they just thought it was a good idea. The fact that they know it's a good idea mm. and get the women again to do it is mm. like showing their arse. There's a big nose Vince McMahon. <laughs> Bianca hit the KOD for the win and then Asuka attacked her. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. I went close. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Hamid, who uh, left us a five-star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. Need the proof. And then send it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Hamid writes, hey, lads, thought I'd finally drop a five-star on uh, wherever I get my podcast from. Uh, I've been listening to What Spotify. Culture. Yeah. Uh, on what, I've been listening to What Culture Wrestling podcast now since around 2018. Uh, yeah, and I just okay. want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for all the light and laughter through the dark times. Uh, I mentioned this before in a tweet to you guys when you got the 50 million listeners, uh, but I just wanted to reiterate it again. Um, you guys have been there for me whenever I needed some normality in my life, i.e. the pandemic, when I thought there was no end in sight. The loss of my father, the chemical miscarriage myself and my partner went through. It was you boys being able to take my mind off things and help me put a smile on my face. But it's not all doom and gloom. I am currently awaiting the birth of our rainbow baby due in May. Uh, so there'll be a lot of sleepless nights. And I know that you guys, uh, I'll have you guys there to help me pass the time, which is fantastic news. Congratulations, Hamid. Uh, and Hamlet, one day we'll find out what gear CM Punk like more, his Brett or Savage tights. I love Hamid. Every time that Punk, when, oh God, when he was still around, would like do an Ask Punk in the gym hashtag, like he would join me in asking if Punk preferred his Brett gear or his Randy Savage gear, and Punk has yet to answer. But like if he ever comes back and he does those Ask Punk sessions, we're going to keep asking. I want to know. I hope everything goes better for you, Hamid, because, yeah. oh my God, you've been through a lot and we are just indescribably, what's the word I'm looking for here? I can't believe that we, our bollocks is... Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, but thank you so much thank for you. that lovely message and I hope everything goes great for you. Um, if you ever want any parenting advice, I'm here. <laughs> Don't come to us. <laughs> <laughs> At M. Sidgwick. I'll give you one for free. Okay. There's two things I would say to any... Uh, Expecting father, expectant father, whatever, um, who probably is going to do less of the big maternity-paternity split, okay? Two bits of advice. One, it's not personal if the baby doesn't quite depend on you as much or might not take a bottle from you. It is not personal. It will feel more personal. It is not personal. Just persevere, and you'll get the same bond in the early years when they can talk and are actually interesting. Mm. Two, the crying can get a bit much. Trust me. The, everyone always says, uh, change some crappy nappies in about uh, two months when you know you get... Uh, I'll do that all day. Desensitized within a day. I can do so, that yeah. with my hands tied behind my back. I mean, I want to watch that specifically <laughs> now you said it. The, the crying is the thing. Mm. Yeah. Crying is the hard thing. The lack of sleep, it's the hard thing. Get a pair of headphones that they... Headless? Headless? Wireless headphones, right? Because if you try it with wireless, they'll just yank it out. Uh, so get wireless headphones, 
and listen to music, it'll take about half an hour for the worst crying episodes. It feels like days. It'll take about half an hour for the most absolutely hysterical, cannot be calmed down, crying episodes to subside. Listen to whatever music you like with no space in it whatsoever. Something like Discovery by Daft Punk hasn't got much space. Something like Pantera doesn't have any space. Something like, uh, there's a band I like called F*** Buttons, right? <laughs> the, the way their things build, there's not much space. It's just a drone, 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 drone. Because you want to block it out because you don't have to listen to that. You can check that it's still going on. Yeah, It's a signal that they need your help, but sometimes your help just won't help them. They just need to cry it out. The best way to deal with this is by not listening to it. Check they're still doing it, obviously. Mm. But my God, it helps you nothing if you just listen to it and try and get frustrated. Just don't just listen to some Pantera. I'll suggest volunteering to do every single pushchair walk like babies, even the ones that cry and cry and cry and cry, eventually stop just competing. Just with listen fresh air. to rock culture wrestling. Yeah, listen to you. Like while you're listening to this podcast, Hamid, uh, volunteer for every single pushchair walk. You are absolutely knackered. Your other half is even more knackered than you are. So you're doing her a solid, but then you're getting like some invaluable fresh air that you didn't realize quite how much you were missing. And the baby eventually stops competing with it and falls asleep, and then you're just getting steps and free time. And it's like it's good for all of you. I ever told you my story about my, um, I've had so little sleep that I'm, I have become the thickest person alive. <laughs> it was like three weeks. So I was definitely on paternity and it was one of those where the babies wouldn't settle and my missus just desperately needed sleep. So I was like, I'm just going to persevere with a crying baby, try and rock him to sleep, but I'm just going to be out of the house for two hours, just two hours as much as I can. Um, so I went for a walk in a park near where we live and I saw a woman who was walking a dog and did the nod just looking after little creatures alright yeah yeah the yard this in it leaves alone <laughs> and then five <laughs> minutes later life. five minutes later I was just doing a loop around the park and I saw the woman again she says to me, she says, just saw your better looking twin five minutes ago. And she was doing a joke yeah. of, I've just saw you five minutes ago. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you f- <laughs> <laughs> Have you just seen someone who looks like me? Have you just seen someone who looks like me and you've said that? <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, okay. I actually went home. I was like, Francis, you never believe this after. <laughs> she ran to this horrible cow in the park. And she said this. And Francis, like, she was talking about you, you moron. That's great. And I was like, well, why don't you let me go to sleep? Then obviously I need it. How long was the fume from there? To the oh, all, 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 all the all way. way. All <laughs> the way. Home. I was like, you absolute bitch. I'm obviously struggling with like a tiny, tiny newborn baby i'm obviously oh. struggling like really badly and you've got the nerve to say that <laughs> to you saw you got to merit you say that you saw another young lad who looks like me but he happened to be better looking you absolute cow and i went home and then it was all it was all fine wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's good but that's, that's what good. the lack of sleep does to you yeah, yeah. Oh, it does stuff i'm yeah. a pretty paranoid guy to begin with though <laughs> <laughs> brilliant could have had eight hours and the same <laughs> thing would have happened <laughs> 
So, uh, <laughs> imagine what she would have thought. I was like, imagine if the same thing happened now in the same park in the same woman with James, and he turns to you and says, She's talking about you, Dad. You're <laughs> 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 imagine what I, I went, I went like, under my breath, I was like, You bitch. <laughs> she must have thought, What's that idiot's problem? <laughs> oh, god. Uh, Hamid continues. Uh, thank you again for everything. Uh, for my five-star review review, Hamlet, my gift to you is anything Double J from WWF, WCW, or TNA. Fill your boot la- boots, lad. Hamid, uh, King Hoji eighty six, which I assume is his, his Twitter handle. P.S. And we're gonna do it anyway. Always pop me. Ah, oh, there you go, Hamid. Thank you very much for this. What'd you pick, and what's the backstory? Where else can I go? We've had not a lot of Jeff Jarrett in the five-star review review. Uh, spreadsheet because well, it, it, I love him, but it's Jeff Jarrett. So it's quite nice that we're in like double and triple J season of late and we've had mm. some come around. And because we haven't had much, I could go with kind of the sentimental favourite of everybody, I think, which is Jeff Jarrett hates all women and he's going to prove it when he's faced with Mueller and May Young. <laughs> the last act of Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett together in WWE before they brought their magic touch to the WCW <laughs> and it worked out fine. So is he, how far away is he from facing China for the... Uh, for the uh, they're setting up for the good housekeeping match. He's got that Intercontinental title, which, of course, is the important thing about the whole holding up for money, in inverted commas, which is code for getting paid what he was owed because he'd seen every other wrestler not get that money and a little for bit decades. More. A little bit more. And a little bit more. Because, uh, you know, keep looking at that check, Steve. It ain't going to get no bigger. Uh, aye, this was the last the last act, basically, of Jeff Jarrett. He's probably a month away from being on Nitro and a couple of weeks away from losing the belt on pay-per-view. Uh, so he's out there. Uh, as is Deborah, as is Miss Kitty, um, and there's Moolah getting in the ring, and he's telling the fans to give Moolah the hand that she deserves, uh, and a little bit of subtle early storytelling here, because she offers a handshake, and he just mugs her off and walks <laughs> off, uh, but she has a, a nice embrace, a little hug and a kiss with uh, Deborah and Miss Kitty, Cole puts her over as a true legend, and Jerry Lawler makes it weird, oh, invite me up there for a hug, Ugh. Uh, Jeff Jarrett kissed her on the lips as well. Uh, but he says, Mula, wait, uh, before you go, now back in your day, women knew their role. They re- knew their place. I mean, the boys play with the boys and the girls play with the girls. You would have been caught dead in a ring wrestling a man, would you? Mula says, well, I didn't. That's only because these so-called men knew I'd kicked our ass, just like China's going to kick. so-called men knew that I would book myself to beat their ass for 30 consecutive years while at the same time completely suppressing them with my horrible behavior. Yeah, good point. Worth to mention that. Do you think as well, I was watching this, do you think Vince Russo knew that he was booking Jeff Jarrett as a heel? Because Jarrett's like comments at the time, like, how's this guy not the new Hulk Hogan? I want to take him to WCW and make him that. He's a, he's a bad guy, Russo. Yeah. He's got him over as this brilliant heel. Heel. <laughs> values does Russo have? <laughs> uh, I'd kick their ass just like Chan is going to kick your ass. Michael Cole, the weirdest Michael Cole I've heard in quite some time. You go, girl! Yeah. Commentary. <laughs> he, was, he was an asshole in 1999. As cringeworthy as 1999 pervert Jerry Lawler. That takes some doing. Two opposite extremes. Yeah. Say your Dreamcast came out on this day, by the way. Oh. 99-1999. Uh, interesting fact in the comment section I've discovered. I'm not, I'm not a nerd like the gaming <laughs> lot. If you like them, what culture gaming where you get the podcast from? Uh, anyway, <laughs> I was impressed. I was about to say, I'm quite impressed you know that. And then, I'm not a stupid nerd no. in either. I'm a cool guy who likes wrestling. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, Moolah's just gesturing to the ground. Jarrett spins around and nails her right between the eyes of the guitar shot. 
and then the bit that, I mean, the guitar shots, obviously, yeah, it was a guitar shot. What is it? He, he smashed how many guitars and never drew a dime, the old, the old line. He smashed a thousand guitars and never drew a dime. Bollocks, but it's a great line. Yeah. And this guitar <laughs> shot's fucking great. Like, she goes down like a sack of shit. And, like, that's what she was as a person. So yes. Fitting. Yeah. It's magic, this. Um, but, hang on. One second, sorry. I'm preemptive. Oh, my God. I'm just going to read this, not in an accent, not with a voice, because I want people to truly appreciate it. Come on in, do the running, <laughs> you old bag. <laughs> as she waddled. Yeah. To me, young, this is. It's a, a waddling. Had she forgotten. So he's like... Uh, Give me the instruction. Yeah. <laughs> Bury it. Could just say, come on in, you old bag. Yeah. But come on in, do the running, you old bag. Two things just to... <sighs> Mulo deserved it. Mae Young would have loved this. So yeah. it's, it's fine. It's uh, fine, isn't it? So yeah. she rushes Jeff, gets taken down. I, I initially wrote, gets taken down and put in a figure four. But then I doubled back and went, gets taken down and put in a big figure four. And rides around in agony. After he softened her leg up a bit first. <laughs> he puts the boots to her. Starts pulling faces down the hard camera. I got her. Listen here, you slass. <laughs> Cole screams in disgust. Oh, these are old enough to be Jarrett's grandmothers. Uh, there's also a puppies or kittens, why choose sign that I see in the crowd at this point. What? Puppies or kittens, why choose? Oh, they right, want okay. everybody's boobs. Yeah. yeah. And Lawler Pussies. says, and the puppies and the kittens are screaming. And Jarrett yells, yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> it's the end of the clip. Perfect. Magic. Jarrett was a hot act, man. Yeah, he was right to want a shot at Steve Austin. And Steve Austin was probably wrong to not give him one. Uh, so if you go to the comment section, once again, these do not reflect the views myself, the Dadly Boys, Hammond, or anyone at uh, What Culture Wrestling. Uh, Mark Elder, I love the fact this was the top comment I saw. Well, whoever made up this story deserves an Oscar. <laughs> Imagine that. Cinema. They're the same picture. The bloodline. Moolah with the guitar on her head. <laughs> I did like the bit with, with Young, when she's riding around, she accidentally gets the sort of the frame of the guitar on her somehow. And yeah. I was like, oh, I just couldn't write that. Yeah. Uh, Eric Christ. Back when WWE was good. Like just, just this was what I wanted. <laughs> Which bit of the attitude do you want? That one. That it's bit. The misogyny. Yeah. Um, YT Warrior. Is that dust when he hit Moolah with the guitar from the guitar or Moolah? <laughs> <laughs> that one, that's good. That good one. Um, and then takes a turn. Obviously, Sige. Into no, you took the turn. Sorry, you yes. could have just kept going straight on, but you took the turn. Should we go? Should we go right? <laughs> I just, I st- I'll ease you in as we often do. Oshi. Oh, Deborah in that pink mini dress. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Paul comes back. Oh, Miss Kitty's looking nice too. <laughs> Don't forget the other one. <laughs> I, I take them both. <laughs> Straighter than you are. So. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Louis. <laughs> Love these. I love when people say something as if there's some as if the comment section is all the lads just sat together <laughs> and he's just like nudged whoever Louis nudged Paul or Oshi. Oh, this <laughs> has got to make you hard, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's Partridge in it trying to be a lad on that film set. Oh, I'd love to have it off with her. <laughs> Seth, just right. So I'm starting to wonder if her feet are pretty too. Of course you are. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Aoife. 
Deborah, you're pushing my hand. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> All caps at the end. Wait, 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 wait. Read that again. Deborah, you're pushing my hand. I can't keep doing this. So he's like, he's got... I've got work to do. I can't he's, keep jacking he's it. He's been corrupted. So he's got the pulse, not clarity, mm. but the epiphany <laughs> is that he just needs to keep jacking it. <laughs> and he's he can't keep doing it because it's starting to hit. There's a bit of uh, blood coming out, and uh, he resents Deborah. Is that yeah. my understanding? Basically, yeah. Okay. I like the um, the sort of like there's a rom com dangerously is on thing of like oh, we can't keep doing this, but he's just talking <laughs> to his own hand because he's wanking when Deborah's on. Oh, we can't keep doing this. Palm of my hand and five fingers. His cock is literally looking up at him and saying, "Ow." <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm in pain, man. I see Mr. Efer here. There's a. There's a small gap on your resume. What were you doing in this interim period? Oh, I was watching Deborah. And <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Deborah for like about 18 months and just jagging my gag. <laughs> Deborah, you see this is a segment of television where you can see a bit of a tit. That was enough for me for a few, uh, for, for a few months there. Uh, Daddy Dong just writes, I'm about to nut. So, <laughs> simple, isn't it? And finally... Um, Michael Sidgwick, you uh, well, both of you are fantastic writers here at WhatCulture.com. Um, what's you, you know, you're writing an article, and yeah, uh, Most days. It's, it's from NXT, so obviously someone's looking at their hands. What sort of the words for hands you could use? Hmm. Ah, you've actually stumped me there a little bit. Digits, maybe. Uh, suppose, fingers, that's mate. fingers. Staring fingers. at staring at the palms, you would sometimes say yeah. if you didn't want to repeat palms. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot many other words. I, I've learned subsequently, thanks to Jay here. Going through the big show commentary, typewriter, frying pan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not many other ways to describe it's it. A hand and appendage. Yeah. It's usually a euphemism for yeah. a cack. Cack, isn't it? I'll just use hands. Yeah. But Jay is a uh, final comment here is has uh, introduced a new w- phrase to my vocabulary. Because he writes with like the water splash emojis around it. What's meant to be Come. Okay, right. I thought it was going to be like jism. Yeah. Jay just writes, Oh, check out Deborah's dick grabbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, might he be referring to the hands? He was. He, uh, How do you know? I think in a follow-up comment, he was talking. It got a bit like, "All right." Someone was like, "Well, what's, what's your famous when you're a little bit confused?" Huh? And he started talking in too much detail, even for me, about the nails and oh, oh, okay, how, okay, okay. how I feel, man. Uh, so, dick grabbers. So. Time for the main event. It is nice dick grabbers on her. We've got other functions. <laughs> uh, it's main event time though on Monday Night Raw. Just <laughs> eating your dinner. It's like, oh look, how you holding your knife and fork with those dick grabbers. <laughs> <laughs> Watching a horror film and just like a little bit scared. Covering her eyes. Sorry, Deborah, you can put your dick grabbers away. <laughs> the scary bit's over. He's on the phone. He needs it to write something down. Here, use your dick grabber. Pick up that pen for us. <laughs> He's proposing to. He's like, "Oh, Joey, dick grabber, I'll <laughs> you a ring on it. Me, your dick grabber." 
<laughs> Clap your dick grabbers, say yeah. Dick grabbers, reach it out. <laughs> Touching me. <laughs> thanks, Hamid, oh, for that. God, thanks, Hamid. Jesus Christ, people love Herman. Not you, Hamid. No. Uh, if you want to suggest something short, crap, wrestling related, Apple Podcasts, or leave us a five star rating on Spotify, screenshot it. <laughs> we need the proof. Use your dick grabbers, make sure you get a screenshot of it and then send it to me, Adam.Wilborn at whatculture.com. Main event time, Roman Reigns comes out with Jey Uso, the right dick grabber man. <laughs> He's got uh, Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, tells St. Louis to acknowledge him. Uh, and they do, but before we can get any further, here comes Cody Rhodes, who yet again gets a brilliant reaction. Uh, normally come out and say, what do you want to talk about? Uh, but he knows, he knows what Roman Reigns wants to talk about. Uh, he's been saying how Cody should stay out of his family affairs. Heyman said that uh, Roman Reigns has a Cody Rhodes problem, and uh, he'd love to have that explained for him, basically. Heyman goes to speak, and Cody's like, ah, not you, step back. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you, Roman Reigns. Uh, so Reigns looks at him and says, I want to get something straight. Cody, you're not the problem. What you represent is the problem. Cody is what we, I, used to be, a professional wrestler. Said the word wrestler, so... Uh. I was back. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm a fighter. That allows me to be the megastar around here. You come in and you say all these things you're going to do, but I mean, look at your track record. You didn't want to do the stardust thing, so you ran away. Uh, you started a company, you couldn't get over in it, so you ran away from that again, and now you're here... Uh, and you got over, but then your body quit on him. Your little peck went pap. Um, you're just not cut out for this. You're not going to finish any story. April 2nd's just a moment. It's just a lottery ticket. April 3rd's your real moment when you wake up and you look in the mirror and you realize you made a choice, um, you know, about something your dad can be proud of, but instead you're just going to run like a little bitch. Uh, Cody's like, all right, fair enough, you know, uh, for those of you out here who believe in me, what Roman Reigns is saying is true. I did run away. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people complaining, though, because it made it so that 100% of the locker room can make more money. Um, and as far as, you know, my dad, I tried. I started here at 21. I did what I had to do. But maybe it's true. Maybe I do like the taste of a bit of blood in my mouth. Maybe I am just a professional wrestler, a wrestler after all this. Uh, let's not do this anymore, though. Please don't bring up my dad anymore, because if someone do does, I'll vomit. Uh, look, he's not going to be down here. Dustin's over there. It's only me. My mean-ass Cuban mother would tell me right now to knock your ass out. Um, what's all this mean for me? No, no, no. This is about what it's going to mean for you, Roman Reigns, because on April 3rd, you will wake up and remember what it's like to lose. Without those titles, and then when all that happens, Jay is going to leave. And then because Jay leaves, Jimmy will leave. No Usos. And then Solo, who I've seen you staring at me all night. You think you're ready, Solo? You're not, by the way. Solo's going to leave too. And when Solo leaves you, Paul Heyman's going to become an advocate again. And there you're going to be, Roman Reigns. A man without a family. A Roman with no more reigns. A chief without a tribe. Oh, man, yeah. oh my God. Great line. Uh, and Reigns is like, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not, not bothered. I'm not even bothered, so I'm not bothered. Uh, and he goes serious looking at him, and then he just drops the mic and leaves. Paul Heyman leaves with him, and then there's just Solo in there. And he's Cody gets in his face, and he's like, go, let's have a bare knuckle fight then. 
And uh, Roman's like, Solo, get your ass over here, basically, now. And Solo goes to leave, and just before he steps to the ropes, Cody goes, see, just like I said, I knew you weren't ready. Solo's like, oh, towel comes off, goes to hit the Samoan spike, Cody kicks him, Solo fires up, he's going to kick off, but Roman Reigns hops on the apron, he goes, no, 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 come on, let's get out of here, you're not ready, chance echo around, what a brilliant war of words to close this show. I thought this was awesome, um... Cody Rhodes' entire journey. So Roman Reigns on SmackDown, or it was the week before, where he, him and Paul Heyman had basically discussed and Heyman revealed the plan that every time Roman Reigns has an opponent, they just think about the best way to pick up that wrestler's psyche because on the night, it's no trouble. Roman Reigns can physically destroy anybody. It's just how they mentally unpick them along the way. And he kind of said that they were going to do that to Cody Rhodes. And this is how we tried. He reframed some incredible achievements in Cody's life, uh, life as weaknesses, which was really well done. Yeah. Because a heel can say that, and Roman Reigns can say that and believe it, whilst we as fans, and Cody as a babyface, can rebuff all of it, and they can have they can be on equal foot in yeah. the argument. And I thought that was so impressive, because I really like how they've handled... Um, pr- to be fair, like pretty much since he returned, the fact that he came back as the American Nightmare was, oh my God, we've signed the... AEW Executive Vice President. He's never really stopped being the former AEW Executive Vice President. And why would you want to stop that? Because it mm-hmm. adds tremendous value to Cody as a main event babyface. But there are points where you tread too far into reality that it just messes with the fiction. And the closest they've ever gotten is probably Cody here saying, well, now there's a locker room full of boys that gets paid. However, I think that works really well specifically against Roman because Roman talks the good game like he's the tribal chief. And by being the champion, he's the head of this table. And mm-hmm. Cody is saying... I'm a better head of the table for everybody more than you could ever be for your own family. So I think if there was ever a time to drop that detail Mm. and remind Roman that's not a weakness, that's a strength, it was here. So I was really impressed with not just the lines and the quality of the lines, but the order of which it all came. It played out fantastically well. Cody Rhodes not making promises, but making a bunch of clear declarative statements about what he wants to do to Roman's empire, like a good babyface should, so long as he sees them through. And again, just the stakes are so... God damn enormous on this. I'm absolutely salivating at the prospect of the two coming face-to-face. If this is like the old world and WWE is still selling pay-per-views, this is box office. And yeah, it's the an absolutely monster number because it is the main event and it just feels huge. And the solo detail was something I never could have picked in a million years. And what I always say about AEW operating at peak tier is I want to fantasy book most of it and then be wrong-footed by the thing I don't expect. They are potentially set up an unbelievable go-home main event on next week's Raw. Undefeated Cody Rhodes, undefeated Solo Sokoa. If Solo beats Cody, then all of a sudden, all of this confidence is thrust into doubt at the worst time. If Cody beats Solo, he's basically pointing at Roman and saying, this is your toughest guy, and I've knocked I've knocked that undefeated record off just like I'm going to knock yours off. Like, please book it. Please don't do a DQ and commit, because either outcome is class. Mm. And I just never would have picked that as an like one last ingredient for the plotting to just continue to ratchet up the tension. I, I was so impressed with this. It's the Heyman thing for me. It was the Heyman becoming an advocate that I didn't see. I thought, oh, yeah, you'll lose the Usos and Solo will just be Solo and what have you. But then, like, yeah, Heyman getting his head turned, like, oh, just back this Nothing. You have nothing. Yeah. Great. And that, you said, the the trifecta of the man without a family. uh, That was a great line. I can't add much more to Hamlet's great analysis there other than Roman Reigns' delivery is so out of this world great. He is so good at being reductive, like, reductive people are arseholes. The people who say something like, uh, 
Hey, why do you watch football? It's just 22 men chasing Ugh. a ball around a field. Everything can be reduced. Everything can yeah. be reduced. And he has that dickhead quality, that ability to do that. And he's just, he's like, I love Roman Reigns' deadpan. He's so good at it. He can make you feel tiny. And I just think that he's one of the better heels in pro wrestling. It really is. Hamlet says, like, reframing an achievement is mm. something it isn't. And it's not the worst kind of being a professional wrestler on a, in an interview where you just call your opponent, where's my shit? It's because we know why he's doing it. It's because he fears the opponent. So there's a bit of, like, genuine subtlety to the way he's doing everything. He's just a great, great act. And he does, does feel like this guy who, God damn it, needs to be stopped. Mm. Yeah, needs to be stopped. Brilliant ending to the show. Let us know your thoughts on Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. What I say, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and the Daddy Boys back later on to look ahead to the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Uh, but for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thanks to Hamid for this week's five-star review review. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.